Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And I really wanted our soundboard to be working today because I wanted to have an ode to Bill Paxton. Oh, I did. That would have been cool. I figured we'd close out the show with game over, man. But yeah, that would have been. Have we? We haven't been on a show, have we, since he died? No, no. We just text each other quotes back and forth. For <laughs> we <a while>. did. <laughs> that was our way of saluting the great one. And like neither one of us had to mention, it's like we both knew he died that day, and all we had to do was just go back and forth with quotes. Didn't even have to acknowledge, hey, Bill Paxson just died. Yep. That's yep. real friendship, boys and girls, right there. That's it, man. That's it. And uh, yeah, he uh, he actually, th- this is trippy, man. I, I read the report the other day on what he died on, um, or died of. And he died of the same thing that my mom had. It's called a dissected aorta. Oh. And uh, yeah, like it, it, my mom's a miracle, man. She shouldn't be I don't, here. But, I don't uh, think you, sh- you should have your aortas dissected while you're still breathing. No, it means that it's splitting. It's like an aneurysm in your aorta. He so was young, too. He was young, and it happens, dude. So, um, you know, it's, it's a 50 50 chance you're going to make it when that happens to you. Really? Yeah. Mm. That's on a good day. Mm. So, yeah, man. So, uh, on that morbid subject. So, just to honor Bill Paxson for a minute, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast, <laughs> by the way. By the way, let me just say this. You know, I got I, I feel rant coming on, Pete. Oh, it's I been a while. Rant. Is it Was aimed that? towards me? No, no. Okay, no, good. I, I saved those for private. <laughs> Rants and kisses happen in secret. Such bad news. 
<laughs> did, I, did I make you uncomfortable? Everything makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> just, just the fact that we're on a Zoom call probably touches your, uh, your, your, your homo- homophobic man gene. I don't, I, I don't know why you're saying homophobic. I, I, I ain't a homophobic. Well, I mean homophobic as in like afraid of men, not afraid of homosexuals. <laughs> oh, man this, is around me. I'm uncomfortable. This this conversation <laughs> has just gone downhill right from the get go. And I hear Mike Neal's again going, "Well, the wheels came off the bus pretty early in this podcast." <laughs> it's not our fault, okay? It's not our fault. We were drawn this way. We're not bad. We were just drawn this way. Um, you know, the the reality is we're we're here and I feel this rant coming on because guys, if you can't connect with pop culture, you can't connect with your culture. I just did a video yesterday for North American Mission Board on preaching or communicating for greater kingdom impact. And it's it's about really preaching to the unchurched. And I just kind of mentioned that, you know, when I was in Lloyd Jones's church. You don't get in that pulpit. That's like, for those of you that don't know uh, Lloyd-Jones, Lloyd-Jones was Keller's hero. Um, Keller is Lloyd-Jones with 21st century skin on. And Keller, that guy can exposit. It's 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 like you don't get in, in a pulpit like, like Lloyd-Jones or John Piper if you can't exposit. And so uh, there I am in Wales. I've got this position at this church, and I'm in the pulpit about once a month. Um, and I'm, I'm the other, you know, elder on staff, I guess, you know, evangelist, the other guy was the, the pastor. And, uh, and the, the, the crazy thing is, is when I started working in the factory after some of my support dropped, I had to, um, I had to go work in this factory and people started getting saved. And as they came through, um, they couldn't under, they would tell me afterwards, Hey, I didn't understand a word of what you're saying on Sunday. And I was preaching these great killer expository sermons really but they didn't connect with lost people yeah you never heard me do that huh (laughs) (laughs) no i i'm actually that's just that's really interesting to me yeah they'd be like i I don't know i I didn't really understand a word of it mate didn't understand what you're talking about and i'm like oh okay and i started going away the other thing was i started getting out on the streets on fridays and saturday nights at the pub and nightclub outreach we're doing because that's that's where the crowd was you know and as I started doing that, I started having conversations and they had zero biblical literacy. And so what I did, I made a track because all the tracks were stupid. And I was like, boom, you know, I'm going to make one on the matrix and matrix had just come out. I could get people to stop and talk to me about the matrix. I'd be like, Hey, have you seen the matrix? And they're like, yeah, you know, it was just kind of hitting. Like people, you know, when it came, it was a sleeper hit. Like no one really knew what it was. At first. I don't know. It wasn't a sleeper hit over here. It was right out of the gates. Yeah. Well, so, so like it, it, if I remember correctly, it took a, it took a little while to gain some steam. It wasn't like everyone was anticipating it. You know, it kind of, I remember going to see the theater. I think it was my wife weekend. almost left me because of that movie. What? My wife almost left me because of that movie. Did you watch it too much? I watched it, and I'm like, oh, you got to come see it. And she's like, no, that's not my kind of movie. I'm like, it's a love story. And so yes. that's become our joke back and forth. It's a you love story. You only get to pull that trick once on your wife. I pulled that trick on my wife. But it uh, is a love story. Trinity and Neo. Come on. 
on. Her love brings him back from the dead. Love it's story. It's an eternal love story, Pete. It's an eternal love. That, that will repeat throughout eternity. Yeah. As they say in Battlestar Galactica, all this has happened before. All this will happen again. I'm, I'm about to break into song. You complete me. This is amazing. I made you uncomfortable again. <laughs> I've missed our smack talk, and I've missed the train. I, yes, and that's the conductor who hates everyone in your neighborhood. I love him, too. Hi, train. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so, so going back on my rant, I've, I, I got I to gotta get my rant out. So here, here's the deal. Um, I began to preach, and I had to sacrifice being a great expository preacher for being one that could be understood by unchurched people. And there was a, there was a trade. I will tell you, I still aim to be both, but sometimes life does not give you that choice. There's often not a third option. It's kind of like, all right, do you want to be admired for your skill at expositing? Or do you want to be really useful when people are looking for God? And sometimes they're two different things. Some guys do it well and run the balance. And I think you can. Um, my mentor did extremely well. Um, and, and I think I, I aim to do that, but just to let you guys know, welcome to the church planner podcast. Again, we will talk about pop culture. That's just what we do because church planner, it is your bridge. So plus Pete and I just like talking to each other. (laughs) It's our only chance to really catch up, but I, I had to get that ran out. It's been a while since I'd had a rant. Is you. It, oh, oh, you were done. <laughs> oh, there, that was a shorter one than normal. I know, right? I was actually expecting the rant. I didn't really feel the rant on that one. I was I was going to be a little bit unkinder and say, if you, you know, like people are like, oh, I, I scrub past Smack Talk. I get that. But don't scrub past pop culture. Do not do it. You know, all of you who are scrubbing past Smack Talk, I'm going to scrub past you. Yeah, come on, rant. rant you baby, scrub rant. daddy you. Yeah. Yeah, show daddy a rant. Come on. I don't I don't understand people who don't like the smack talk. The smack talk is actually the only part I do like in our podcast. <laughs> All right. That was too far cuz, you know, I I talk in the second part. So yeah, but in the second part, you say words with more than 3 syllables and I'm telling you right now, that kind of throws me. Yeah. So I'm really digging the audiobook thing, man. You are changing me. I have been getting so in it. So I had this series called you The Wheel of Time that I started 20 years ago. And I didn't start on audiobook because that didn't exist back then, right? I think we had books on tape and you get them at the gas station on road trips. But the re- remember that Mad Libs at the gas station? When you're a kid, you stop at the oh, gas yeah. station, get Mad Libs for car trips. First book I ever bought after I graduated college. Was a book on tape. Did I tell you the story on the podcast? No. Come on. Dude. <laughs> I'm almost ashamed to say it again. Oh, this oh, is I back when it was on tape. I bought the unabridged version, which was like 18 million cassette tapes, front and back. Yeah. I had it delivered to my work. I worked at Interplay, which was a video game company. And unfortunately, everyone there saw me open the box. I probably ordered it from Amazon. What's in the box? We need our soundboard. I know. You ready for it? Yeah. You ready for it? Yeah. How to win friends and influence people. Yes. I knew it was one of those. And I picture when we make the movie about your life, that you're going to be like riding down the road 
and it's going to be like uh, you pop that tape in and there's like a flash of light and it's like a UFO appears over your car, but it's really God. And you hear this void and it's like, Pete Mitchell. And you'll be like, what? It'd be like your Damascus road experience from that series. It'd be like, I, and so, that day I knew I was called to be a marketer. I so <laughs> remember everyone going, oh, Pete wants to know how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> Yeah, that guy's a loser. He needs those tapes. You hey, know what I'm talking hey. about. <laughs> those tapes didn't help you at all. I wonder whatever happened to those tapes. <laughs> I know I listened to the whole thing. I'm your friend. What does that say about me? <laughs> Did I still remember when I went from cassette player to CD player in my car? You know, when it was like, okay, I need to upgrade. I need to, I need a CD player. When you had a CD in your in your uh, CD player in your car, you had like arrived. I, this is one of the most ridiculous things in cars is, I don't know if you ever had one, but it's when your radio came with the remote (laughs) because the six inches I have to press the button is too far. I must use a remote and hold it in my hand to change the station. Nice. Yeah. Did you ever have one of those? Yes. My, my, uh, my buddy at the time, he, uh, he used to, every time he'd get my car, he'd be like, oh, where's the remote? And he'd be playing with the remote. He lost my remote. I was so that ticked was when he lost my report. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was just a bad idea. Um, let's have a remote in your car while your hands are supposed to be at 10 and 2 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. remember, remember driver's ed in school? They don't have that anymore. What do they do? They, you have to go outside of school, and um, you have to uh, pay for it. Privately. So when I was a kid, we had this big Olympic size pool in not my house, but in our high school and the cars were parked on the back lot kind of near the pool and beyond that were volleyball courts. So one night, I guess a bunch of kids went and hoisted one of the volleyball poles out of the, the asphalt, rammed it through the back of a car window, actually rammed two of them through and kind of like, you know, a palanquin. These kids hoisted as they stuck the pole through the, the each window, they hoisted the car up almost like a pole bearer, you know, or a pole bearer for a funeral and like carried it over to the swimming pool and rolled it in. Really? And the next day we, yeah, we came to, we came to school on a Monday morning and there, there were cars in the swimming pool. It was pretty cool. They were the driver's ed cars that stayed there over the weekend. I mean, you know. The, it, one week we had, uh, one year we had a senior prank where someone stuck a boat on. We have like these little buildings where like you, 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 you have like Coke machines and stuff. On one of those, somebody had gotten a small boat out of Huntington Beach Harbor and stuck it up on top of that. I thought that was pretty cool. When I was at Biola, every time a prank would happen on campus, I was the guy that they called. That's awesome. Like literally every time something happened. And I don't, I, it was a reputation more than like I did stuff. I didn't really do all that much. No, but you knew you were like that guy on Men in Black, the, guy the little who alien the dude that like, you know, had the little bulldog and they're like, oh, we got to go talk to him. They use a noisy cricket on him. Biola is famous. I don't know if they still have this building, but they had this building that has a giant Jesus mural and everyone knows the Jesus yeah, mural. Yeah. 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 It's famous. Yeah. It's famous. Yeah. And so <laughs> this one night, uh, a couple of my buddies, and I, I don't know why they didn't invite me, man. I was so ticked when I found out about it. They decided to rappel down the Jesus mural 
This is the guy. (laughs) Yeah, this is the guy who went on to become a Navy SEAL, and and he was on the mission that got Osama bin Laden, and he wrote the book and all that. He was one of our our, uh, roommates at Biola. And so he decided to to repel down the Jesus mural. A whole bunch of them did. So, you know, we got all these pictures of them, you know, halfway down the Jesus mural. And so I saw this play last night with my wife written by Steve Martin. And it was it was called uh, Picasso at the Lapin Agile. And it's this cafe in Paris. And it's Einstein and Picasso and some other guys that they meet and they have this pretty funny conversation but this art critic comes in and he's talking about all the places he's like there's there's you know two paintings people don't want one is jesus and one is sheep and he's trying to explain why people won't buy pictures of jesus for their house and he's like i mean what room do you put it in you know you 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 can't really put it in the living room i mean you want him to watch over you but you know, but but maybe, you know, it's like you're you're there, you're having a few drinks with your friends, you're looking, oh, you know, and he goes and he goes and then, you know, you can't have it in the bedroom for obvious reasons. And then he, then he moves over to the kitchen. He's like, the kitchen? Maybe. But he goes, but let's be honest, that's just disrespectful to Jesus. <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, I, I look up Jesus. I look down ham sandwich, Jesus, ham sandwich, Jesus, ham sandwich. <laughs> And it was it was pretty funny because you you never thought about it that way. Like you're kind of right. Like it's kind of hard to know. Like where do, I think the living room's okay because I, I don't have my friends. You made me think about and, something, man. You made me think about something with. Uh, should the, we not keep going? Because what brought that up was the fact that surely people had a problem with people stomping on Jesus, right? I, I just saw that movie, you know, the the the, the silence movie. You're not supposed to step on the icon and reject it. Like there's just that's just seemed disrespectful to to Jesus, man, to repel down the giant picture, the giant mural. You think it's funny? No, it's a funny idea because that is such the iconic symbol of Biola. Oh, it was hilarious. You can say I repelled down, and the they got caught, but they got caught by the one security campus who had just graduated, the security guard <laughs> who had just graduated, and he's like, "All right, guys, I'm going to pretend like I didn't see anything." Uh, hurry up and take down the ropes. <laughs> so, so now if you're listening, you now are offended. Well, two things, reform people don't care. Cause they're like, look, you know, that's an idol. Anyways, a picture of Jesus. So, you know, it's good. You could step on it all you want. But for those of you that are not reformed, you're now very offended that we've even seen the humor in such topics. I, like I, this. I gotta, but, I gotta uh, tell you the, I, there's, there's a lot of humor that I see. This was one of the funnier things that I saw this last week. I'm not going to mention any names, though I guarantee you, you're going to know who I'm talking about, especially you, because it's one of your idols. Well, not really, but but you really like the guy. Now you threw me. So he's got this blog, a Christian blogger, really famous blog, and uh, and he did a blog post on why he's not going to review The Shack, the movie The Shack. Right. And he's going into, well, you know, we're not supposed to make any images of Jesus or God and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he goes into all this stuff and he's all, and I'm a blogger. And, you know, if I reviewed it, that would really help out uh, uh, the views on my website. And, and and that's what it's all about when you're a blogger. It's all about the views. But I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you keep writing all these articles about why you're not going to watch The Shack. And you put that all over your titles <laughs> so everyone still goes to your stupid website and reads all your articles. I was like, yeah, I, well, I, I ranted about that last podcast, right? Yeah, that we should go watch it. 
yeah, you should because your neighbors are gonna they're gonna go see it. You can scrub back and it has major theological problems. Yes, it does. And yes, theology is important. Ideas matter, um, especially ideas about God. But you should be interacting with those ideas, particularly if non-believers around you are interacting with those ideas. Um, don't put your head in the sand, guys. This is this is what I'm saying about church planners and pop culture. You need to be involved. When when people read Church Zero and were like, if you read the Amazon reviews, the biggest criticism is there's too much illustration in it. And my argument is the greatest preachers in the history of the world illustrated. Spurgeon was a nonstop encyclopedia of illustration. He was a, a coffee table book in Jesus the pulpit. Jesus spoke in parables for crying out loud. Jesus did primarily. And, and research shows us that, that what's so powerful about that in neuroscience is the fact that uh, the brain more easily encodes, which means it goes deeper into your thinking if a new concept connects to something you already know. And so there's neuroscience behind this. And of course, Jesus being the one designing the brain, um, the, like Lloyd-Jones used to say, if you want to reach a heart, you got to go through the brain first. So we got to understand the brain. And, you know, some people be like, oh, no, it just goes to the soul. Well, the greatest theologians and historically the church has said, no, you go through the brain. It goes to the it, it has to go through the mind. That's the way. And then it goes to the soul and then it affects the will. That's pure Lloyd Jones right there. So but anyways, I don't know why I'm jousting with these windmills today. I must I must have I must have negative self-talk on. But going back to my book on tape. Oh, yeah, that's how, that's am, how we started this 15 minutes ago. No kidding, right? So uh, this is just going down here. Like, I'm just hearing all the people listening to the first time going, who are these guys, man? I don't know. I'm really insecure today. What's the up the good that? news for me is I really don't care what they think. So that's my saving grace. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't, I think because I've been in like super big uh, book promotion mode. So like maybe deep down, I just want people to like me and buy my book. How to win friends and influence people, bud. But you know what I do with that, right? You can get the abridged version. You, you know what I do, though. What? Obviously, as evidenced by this podcast, when I start feeling those things, I rebel. <laughs> I say all the wrong things. So here's the deal. Um, it's I've like when listening. we had Francis Chan on. You're like, uh, yeah, I'm the co-host of the same and uh, 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 creative director on the same. <laughs> like you just <laughs> froze, man. You're like, it was Francis. It, it, that was early on, and he was one of our first guests. Yeah. I have to admit, you know, it was Francis stinking Chan. I was like, who always said no to us all the time. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't want to say we tricked him, but. We got him on the show by <laughs> you bribed him. You gave him an ethical bribe. I didn't. I, I, I just, I remember talking to you. I go, we need to cover sex trafficking. That's. Oh, that's is that what it was? I thought you offered part. him yeah. something. No, no, no. I, I, I said, look, Frank, cause this is what's cool about him. He won't just come on a, a, a show and promote something for himself. He'll, no. he'll basically, if it's a cause he believes on, he'll yeah. hop on there. Yeah. So we were like, Hey, we were covering sex traffic. We clearly America. haven't found the cause that Rick Warren likes. Cause he keeps turning us down. He's like, fact, will you guys just quit calling please? You know, you know what I love about Rick Warren? So I got rejected by him this morning. Not, uh, not this not morning. Week, wow. Did I yeah, just pick out a wound? He's a cool dude though. Did I just pick and out a wound? <laughs> Never with him. I tell you this. Um, and his assistant is a guy named David Jean, and he is awesome. 
And these guys, you know, uh, Rick Warren, it's kind of like if that dude can like take a break from talking to the King of Jordan or the presence of the United States endorse my book, I, I might just lose a little respect for him. So that's like when you get rejected by Rick, it's like it was just an honor to have been nominated. <laughs> but then you realize, you know what? Then, then you realize, up, Pete, they you, actually told me they'd consider it this time. I oh, get a flat really? rejection. Well, maybe I they did. were just lying because I was going to say you didn't even get the nomination. No, I actually, but I, I actually, it was entertained. I, I know these things. So, anyways, going back to my book on tape, and this is where we're just sliding down. I want to, I want to just tell you about an amazing book I'm reading right now called The Norse Myth. So I just, there, there, I said it, I did it, I endorsed pagan paganism. Um, false gods. And, uh, no, I'm reading Neil Gaiman's book, uh, Norse mythology. And it is, it, I tell you what it is. If, if you guys want to kind of, uh, it, it's on audible and basically he spent like eight years. Everyone knows he wrote a book called American gods, which I don't recommend. Um, I started to read it and I had to throw it away. Cause I'm like, oh, this thing's dirty. But, uh, and the, and by the way, when I talk about pop culture, I don't like, I don't watch Game of Thrones. I got, I got things that I want to see, but I'm like, okay, I got my standards and you got to keep your standards. But anyways, I, I couldn't go on reading American Gods, even though I wanted to, um, it, just cause some of the nastiness in it. But, uh, but anyways, he researched, uh, the Norse myths for like eight years. It's like his passion and, um, amazing stuff and, and more because, he talks, he tells the story. It's not like stories he wrote. It's stories he compiled and edited, and he just tells the myths. And it is amazing for this reason. If, if As you're listening to it, you get a sense of the, um, the power of the spoken word and storytelling. This is the way that, that often um, stories about God were told. Um, people throughout, you know, history when they didn't read the job of a preacher or a minister was to pass down these truths. And I just found it, you know, I'm picturing you're, you're huddled into a hut on a, on a frozen winter's night. And these guys are telling these stories and I'm just, I'm hearing how the missionaries went and told the gospel. It, it's amazing, man. Cause that's what they had to do. They had to go and present the gospel in these same ways and be like, kind of like Paul, let me tell you about a God you don't know. And, um, I'm, I'm finding it very fascinating. I've never heard mythology told in the way it would have been passed down to people. Interesting. Yeah. I'm an interesting guy sometimes. So, uh, Hey, what are we actually talking about today? That's uh we're church planning related. Yeah. And, uh, we're not doing the MoGib commercial, are we? Hey, they aren't emailing me back. Guess what, buddy? I ain't giving you any love. No love for MoGib. In fact, That's if right. you have a MoGiv account, I'd appreciate it if you would call up and cancel, go to someone else, and tell them, <laughs> you left the Church Planner podcast, we're leaving you. They didn't leave. <laughs> Guy's just not getting his email. Guy's just not. It, he, he left. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call it when they, stop, when they stop taking your calls? You can't leave us. We leave you. <laughs> Don't you understand? I can crush you. I, I love that you won't just, hey, you know, um, uh, I'm not going to do the MoGib. You're, you're going to now advertise against <laughs> MoGib. <laughs> Anyone else want to advertise with us? Just, no, this is how we do business. You can never leave. <laughs> I will crush them. 
<laughs> no, that's Pete's entrepreneur spirit is coming out. <laughs> I will crush them. No, guys, we're just having fun with MoGiv. I mean, yeah, they, we love MoGiv. We do. We do actually really like MoGiv, but uh, but they really aren't accepting our emails or returning our calls or, you know, whatever. But. I think we got the wrong email address. I got to get get in touch. Kent Woodyard uh, has moved on. He's he's moved to another part of the country and he's moved company. But he uh, he sent us a guy's email and we just never heard a response back. But. Yeah. So what, what's our subject today? shepherds like shepherd's pie mm. <laughs> mm. Shepherd's, shepherd's pie, pie. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're friends so uh yeah we're gonna talk about shepherds today and uh this is kind of my breakdown shepherds shepherds are in the bible shepherds are good <laughs> shepherds you are should... in the bible <laughs> <laughs> it's my three-point outline that's why i don't give them um Okay, should, is this my cue? Um, uh, let me let me do the transition. Great, Scott! It's time for this week's topic. All right. So we've been doing a series on fist leadership. You can call it APES. You can call it the five volt ministry. Now, each one of these uh, definitions have a slightly different meaning, but they're all talking about the same thing. Um, for example, like this week, I was talking with someone on the phone and they said the amazing thing. So they had read Church Zero. Cha-ching! And they said the amazing thing is I've never thought about Church uh, or what you bring up in Church Zero, that these are the elders. That this is the reason for the plurality of leadership. He's from a Pentecostal background. And he said, I've always been taught that these guys are like, they're not in the local church. And I think that was kind of the apologetic that, that Church Zero makes is that these guys are, these are your elders. Um, and the apostle tends to move around and the prophet tends to move around, but they are connected to congregations, much like Paul was connected to Antioch. But, um, he was like, you know what? I've, I've always just seen them as like separate entities and they're, they're almost kind of like what Paul calls super apostles. And I don't, I don't really see it. That way, I see Paul starting up a few local networks like Macedonian, Asia Minor, you know, like in uh, you see like the letters to the seven churches. But anyways, when you have a team leadership of elders, um, I believe that these roles, um, you know, like Neil Cole in his book, Primal Fire, he believes they're deacons and he gives that argument. So nobody probably has it completely figured out. And I, I know some people really don't want to hear that, but. We do need to be somewhat humble because we're not living in the first century. I feel personally like the the archaeologist who is constantly having accidental finds. So if you study archaeology, they don't always know where stuff's at. You know, they, they find stuff a lot of times on accident. And I feel that's often how I'm discovering first century principles is by doing stuff and accidentally stumbling into it. And all of a sudden the scripture breaks open and I go, Oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's what works when you're in a frontline context. That's what we were doing. And, um, so today we're going to talk about the shepherd who really, if you'll know this, like we live in a church society or church culture that is largely dominated by, um, teachers and shepherds. So the S and the T, if, if Alan Hirsch were, um, you know, talking about the APAS or for me, I'd be talking, I would call them the ring finger and the pinky. So I, when I use fist, I say all five together, 
They bring those fingers together. They pack a powerful punch. And the 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 marriage finger or the shepherd, he's he's the the lovey, touchy, feely family, you know, counselor type guy. And that's his style of leadership. And then the pinky is like the the teacher, you know, he's concerned with the finer points of theology. He wants to exposit. And so you've got these two that are very common in the church. We still use one word as a one size fits all moniker, which is pastor, right? You're my pastor. Um, the pastor You've heard this, right? Like in, in our church culture, it's nominated by shepherds and teachers. And we've kind of jettisoned the evangelist, uh, prophet and apostle. But in our church culture, you might ask somebody, Hey, you know, how's the new pastor working out? And they go, well, um, he's not a great teacher, but, um, he really is good with people. You know, he, he counsels us and he spends a lot of time. He shows up at our house and, you know, he's he really good with people. He goes and visits the, that's your shepherd, right? And so you have pastors, we're, we're calling them all pastor, which by the way, is the term for a shepherd, but we use that of teachers. And so a teacher might occupy your pulpit on a Sunday morning, but you're still calling him a pastor or shepherd. And really what I call these guys is elders, leaders, and I don't go around delineating with my church who's what. It becomes very apparent, especially when people understand this. So like if you walked into Refuge Long Beach and I was still there um, and Ruben was still there and, um, you know, all of us that went out, Charlie, you would walk in and you'd be like, OK, Charlie, teacher, Chris Langham, teacher, um, Ruben, um, evangelist, apostle. I'm never, never sure with Ruben. Um, uh, me apostle, uh, Mike Bonomo shepherd, uh, big time shepherd. And I'm going to talk a little bit because sometimes the shepherd and the evangelist are more closely related. And I want to get to that and why, um, a shepherd is going to shepherd. He's, he's gonna think, think of like a, uh, almost like a sheepdog, right? What does a sheepdog do? Um, he corrals the sheep together. He wants to keep them in a tight little pack. And the, the interesting thing about a shepherd is that, um, he's more inward focused. In fact, the shepherd and the teacher are the two inward focused roles on the eldership team. And God's put a ratio of three to two, um, three being outward focused and radical and the two, the shepherd and the teacher being conservative. But the interesting thing about the shepherd, and Jesus brings us up, is that the shepherd doesn't just focus on those inside. Um, he'll go after people from a wider berth. So we'd see like Mike Bonomo. I've talked about this before that Mike Bonomo is very much a shepherd. So he's involved in like AA recovery ministry. Often you find shepherds there. You find them in family ministries, counseling ministries, um, things that have to do with the inward health of the body. And, and really creating family amongst the church itself. But what a shepherd won't do is turn towards the lost and say, oh, well, you're not part of this church. Um, I, I don't have anything to do to you. What a shepherd will do is he'll walk into 7-Eleven like Mike would coming off work. And he would go and he'd see homeless people sitting outside or runaways or, you know, wayward, you know, teens up to no good. And Mike will go over and talk to him because he's a shepherd. And he's going to shepherd everybody around him, whether they're saved or unsaved. So 
there's crossover into evangelism with shepherds. I dig it. I get it. Yeah. So, and that's why they're so good in things like recovery ministry. So what you're saying is guys like that could write how to win friends and influence people. Most definitely. Yes. That's why. And that's why an apostle needs the balance of a shepherd because the apostle is all about mobilizing people outward towards mission. And he forgets the inward aspects of the church. And I've mentioned, you know, I won't, I won't say all the stuff I've said before, but we really need to um, have people remind us as apostolic guys that, Hey, there's a congregation here that um, needs to be built up and discipled. Um, whereas the apostles always like, well, let's get you out and turn you out and get you in. And, and the shepherds are going, wait, 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 wait. Um, this sheep has a broken leg. Uh, I, I need to spend some time with this sheep. You know, it's cool that you want to go and drive the whole herd, um, you know, up to a new valley or to a new vista or a new mountaintop or to new uncharted uh, grass for them to mow down. But, um, you know, because you're mobilizing them outward. You're always getting them out to the fringe and the pioneers. And, hey, guys, there's new vistas out here. And the shepherd's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We could, let's keep everybody together, right? And so he's he's doing that. For this reason, if you find yourself as a shepherd um, particularly burdened about the social causes and the things in your neighborhood, like um, people that, that, that just their brokenness, um, addiction, adoption, um, you know, sex trafficking. And you're like, I need to do something about that. Chances are that you've got, even if you're apostolic, your big blade might be shepherding. And so what I'll see a lot with guys that are shepherds is they will shepherd people. Um, like they'll go to a school. They'll have usually shepherds will have really, really good relationships with schools and they'll be doing things with parents and families and they'll, they'll go and talk to the, like one, one of the guys I served with was a guy named Steve Martinez. Steve was like, a, I mean, not Steve, um, Chris, Chris Martinez. He was, and, and, and funny enough, he's a, um, he's a family um, and small groups pastor at a church in the Bay Area now, but he was a church planner for six years, went into a totally broken neighborhood. Um, on the first day, the day he's unpacking his truck here in Oceanside, um, there's a drive-by right in front of his house. Someone gets shot and killed right out in, in front of his house. And that, that year, he's like, oh, you know, there's a lot of brokenness in this neighborhood. How do I heal it? You know, how does the Lord come in and what do I do? And so that first Halloween came around. And there was no trick or treat because, you know, in neighborhoods where people are getting shot a lot, you, you tend not to trick or treat. So he was like, well, you know, and in his, his church, he met in a school literally across the street from his house. And he's like, well, I need to do something about this. So he started a uh, trick or treating, you know, Halloween thing in the, in the school parking lot. And that became a big deal. It was like a trunk or treat. And, uh, and he said that kind of served as the backbone of that community starting to do things together. Um, and it all started because a shepherd moved into that area, planted a church and basically was like, Hey, we got to do something. He said, 
for the next few months, people would be like, oh, it was so good. Are we going to do that again next year? And so he just kept building on that and doing events for his neighborhood that was a way of shepherding the community and healing the hurts and tending to the brokenness in his community. And that's what the Holy Spirit used. So don't just think that even though a shepherd might be um, more inward focused in many ways, um, all of these are going to have an outward focus. Just like an, an apostle, I could argue, is inward focus in that he disciples people on the tactics. So if we break down the my definition of discipleship is time teaching and tactics. Tactics meaning mission. You get him out on tactical maneuvers. So uh, when when a, an apostle gets to be, that's a part of discipleship that he's doing that that the other roles don't do quite as well as he does. That's why I always say he's mobilizing the church outward. And um, so so a shepherd really kind of like we say, if the, if you have a teacher with you, he should probably, even though you're rotating in and out of the pole, but it's not equal shares, your teacher ought to be teaching probably more than anyone else because that's his speciality. But you also want the evangelist in there. You want the uh, teacher in there. Or you want the uh, uh, prophetic guy in there. And they're all going to bring a different flavor. So your shepherd is, all of his stuff is going to be about where we're going together and, you know, um, strengthening and discipleship and dealing with your hurts and brokenness. And his preaching is not going to be, um, you know, like your total expository preaching either. And what I'll find with shepherds is they often believe because a teacher's come along and told them they don't exposit good, that they think they're not good teachers. And all these roles are teaching roles, right? They're all speaking gifts. Um, but the shepherd is going to do it like a shepherd would. He's, and he's not going to sound like a teacher. But anyways, what I was going to say, what you do want your shepherd to do, like the teacher's probably going to you know, do the bulk of the teaching. Um, you want your shepherd to do the bulk of the counseling, right? That That's his deal. You know, you, you, you want him to train others to disciple. You want him to reproduce himself or herself. And you want them to um, start, uh, doing a lot of the counseling. So you'll find, you know, and notice I said herself because you've also got females who need counseling. And by the way, guys, I'll, I'll tell you that thing you definitely do not want is guys shepherding women. And I think Paul was pretty clear. He didn't want women shepherding men. So you need, and I, I just had this conversation yesterday. Yesterday was uh, international women's day. And uh, Pete, I know you were out wearing red yesterday. I don't understand how you can have an International Women's Day when gender is just a construct that we've created socially. <laughs> what you're saying is there's contradictions in society. What? <clears throat> I, I don't believe that. But uh, but but the deal is is that um, you know women. I don't remember where I was going when I brought up when Women's Day, but women. Um, Shepherding men, men shepherding women. Yeah, yeah. So I was. Just I was paying attention. With, oh, I wasn't. But I was. I was just chatting with someone about you know women, and and I was just saying, look, you know, we have women pastors. We just don't call them that, but they're doing the function of a shepherd. I mean, any women's ministry in your church. Hello, that's like a mini church within your church. I mean, that chick's a pastor, right? Any of her team, 
they're they're like a team of elders. If you ever watch a women's group, man, they're 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 going to town. They're like, men, you don't come in here. You know why? Because it's the only place we let women do crap, right? And they're like, you stay out of my women's study. That thing's sacred. So, you know, the, the deal is, though, women are doing it. They're shepherding women. We might as well start being a little more biblical about it. So when Paul goes, hey, um, you know, if, if a man wants to be an elder, and then he says, their wives also. And he gives qualifications for them, not so that she can be the good little woman, you know, the, the, the little woman tagging along behind, you know, don't screw this up for me. You know, make sure you hold to those qualifications. Uh, you know, it, it's not like that. It's that like Priscilla and Aquila, she is also going to be active in the ministry. You guys are going to be a team. And so that's why for us, we have elders on our uh, any of our church planning um, teams that are women because they're doing, we can have women evangelists. Heck man. Um, this is, this is going off the rails quick um, into a women's issue, but Wesley ordained women preachers and why not? It's in the scripture, right? Paul had women deaconesses we know of, and we believe that the, that the elders that uh, were there like Priscilla and Aquila, um, I believe they were elders. If you look closely at what they did in both Ephesus and Corinthians, I think they were team eldership. And uh, so anyways, we, we could go into that all another time. But the reason I'm saying this is there's no place more dangerous for adulteries to develop um, than a man counseling a woman because he speaks to her in a way with an intimacy, getting intimately involved in her issues and problems, being a good listener. And it just, it just unravels quick. Um, no man, I, I, I would never sit and talk to Jamie about her problems. I, I think the reason why I probably could is because no one would accuse me of being a good listener. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, men and women spending time together in private like that, call me old fashioned, but I've served under, I've been in ministry 20 something years and I know everybody thinks they're the exception to the rule. And then the next thing I know, I watch them dropping like flies. Yep. And so I would just say, you know, guys, I, I think the last couple decades have kind of taught us if we're paying attention that guys, if you're going into ministry, please don't counsel females. I've had some of my best friends, men I respect, men I served under take a fall in this area and it's just not worth it. And by the way, guys, you will find in ministry, I've had this multiple times where a woman will um, idealize you and you know your wife. I mean, I I just always think, go talk to my wife. She'll tell you, you know, my flaws and mistakes. I'm I'm going on 20 years here of marriage, but women will sometimes, um, as a male, uh, they will see you talking in the pulpit, saying all the right things. Um, you're funny. You make her laugh. You know, got to be careful because just even being charming in a room full of people, um, can, can be a dangerous thing. That's why I think team leaderships are also good. The focus isn't on you. And this is a deep rabbit hole and I'm going off the rails here, but, um, there's the train. Save me. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I really think guys, when we're talking about shepherds, you need to seriously consider is my, is my ministry team safe? Are, are there shepherdesses, shepherds 
that we're putting in. And like I said, you know, the, the translation of this pastor. So you do need female pastors. I hate to tell you, you can call whatever in the heck you want, but you need that. And, uh, yeah. So that's a weird place to end, but maybe a good place to end. That is a weird place to end. But I, I think one of the things that I can speak to is I'm kind of used to that from you. So, yeah. And, uh, that's why this works. Um, I, I just, I feel like, you know, the, the only other thing I could say is kind of like, you know, a little more about what does he do? Well, he's always going to cry from the pulpit. That's how you know a shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> you see a guy crying in the pulpit. Oh my gosh. He's that's so descriptive of why I'm not a shepherd. <laughs> oh I'm my gosh. I'd be like, I'd be like Jerry Maguire. You're not going to make me do it. You're not going to make me do it. I'm not Rod crying. Said well, on the show, yeah. That's right. That's great. You're not going to do this to me. <laughs> yeah. You are my Why quad. They always cry. You are my ambassador of love. <laughs> you know, my ambassador of Quan. Is that what it was? Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. Like, um, uh, you know, they, they're just, they're compassionate. They have tons of compassion. One of the things I didn't bring out, but I bring up on church zero. I mean, ching. Um, the, the shepherd has, um, he has some fight in him, you know, um, the shepherds carry staffs, man, you know, the rod and the staff, they, they protect me. Um, a shepherd will act like a father when his family's getting attacked. Shepherds can go after you and you, you need to be careful. Like if, you, you'll find shepherds become very, very protective over the body. So even though I'm saying he's he's a bit of a softy, it's because his heart is filled with love. Um, you know, but yeah, go on, Pete. I was just going to ask, what do you do when, um, or, or how do you advise, since you advise a lot of church planters, when a shepherd has been the one that's given the burden to church plant? And yeah. it's almost like, to me, and and this just could be because how I see shepherds, that mentality in business, you're absolutely right. They are the ones that care very deeply about yeah. people. But where I can see the teacher, the apostle, even the evangelist, they're always out there going on the go. And it seems to me like church planning, you've got to be out there. You got to be the one, you know, reaching out and pulling people in and, and things like that. Um, so yeah, how like do you advise like the said, shepherd? Who's, you know, been called a church plant. Yeah. Like, like I said, the, the shepherd isn't just going to limit himself to inside. He is going to go, like I said, to the schools or to like, you know, um, uh, community groups. He's going to start shepherding them too, or creating them if they don't exist. And, um, the, the other part is when you have, so for example, when you have, uh, a teacher who's just an extremely good teacher, um, teaching your congregation, your congregation becomes like a classroom. If it's just one, if it's not team leadership, it, it can become unbalanced. And um, just talking about um, like Lloyd Jones, um, yeah, Westminster Chapel, there was a nickname that the guys that he followed, you know, that he discipled. And these are the guys that, that I studied under um, guys that most of them have gone to glory now, but um, you wouldn't know any of these guys, but there was like, I, I won't list off their names, but um, if you watch a Lloyd Jones DVD, most of those guys were my professors, um, <clears throat> but they would call them Westminster orphans because these guys all had pastoral ministries 
and people would find out that they were linked to Lloyd Jones, come to their church, and they would be super critical of things said because they became these students, these connoisseurs of 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 sermons. Um, and, and they became students, you know, what students do, right? They sit and they suck up knowledge and they don't do anything with it. Mm. And so they were called Westminster orphans that they were miserable because the doctor was dead. And, you know, Lloyd Jones is my hero, right? So this is no disrespect, but each church is kind of like Spurgeon as well. Spurgeon is gifted as he was and as much of a genius as he was. Most people would say that Spurgeon was less a, a pastor, um, Not an expositor by any means. I mean, his sermons were topical and they were expository topicals, but Spurgeon was an evangelist. I mean, Mm. really, he was an evangelist. His his congregation was so packed with non-believers that 25% of the congregation could not make it to like into the building. So he asked his people to only come three out of four Sundays. And they literally had extra ferry boats crossing the Thames to get people there. And the guy would yell over the water to Charlie. I mean, it was crazy, but what Spurgeon's people became was almost like stadium crusade helpers. They were all about evangelism mm. and the same with the, it, and so what Spurgeon used to talk about is his bird dogs. He's like, after the sermon, you'll see my bird dogs out there. I shoot them out of the sky and they fall to the, to the pews and my bird dogs go and get them. And so what he would see is he would see his people, praying with people that were getting saved there, you know, meeting with him and handing them Bibles and discipling them because they were drawn to an evangelist. And lastly, um, uh, the shepherd. So the, the reason I say all that is I'm applying this to the shepherd. When you come into a shepherd's congregation, it's a stinking family. It is a place where it's safe to talk about your brokenness. Um, you feel together. These people are your family and that's the effect that he has. He makes the church like a living room, right? And that, I mean, everybody listening right now has to go, man, that sounds awesome. And it is. And so you don't want this guy just by himself because he will, you, you still need the apostle and the evangelist and all these to really get him. He's still more inward focused. Even if he's shepherding out in the community, it's, it's the often what will happen with a shepherd is the shepherd won't be able to mobilize the people into what he's doing. And so a frustration of a shepherd is like, hey, I'm out here meeting with the superintendent and meeting with the districts and the county and these leaders, and we've got all these things in place, and he needs the apostle to come through and go, all right, guys, you've seen this mission. Let's mobilize. Let's get out there together on it. And he'll mobilize everybody on a mission. Powerful combination. They are the balance for each other. I dig and it, that's man. all I have to tell you about that. I like it. Cool. That's a better place to end. There you go. See? <laughs> I knew if we stuck with it. But you know, Pete, if you're a shepherd, you really can't be doing all the accounting. Like, don't try to be the shepherd and the treasurer at the same time. Don't get me started with Simplified Church. No, I'm just oh, kidding. What? I'm just Simplified kidding. Church. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they have not returned their emails. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, What's man, I was. I was. Said? I was emailing back and forth with Josh last night. No, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, hey, there's a great service if you are a shepherd and you don't want to handle payroll, accounting, bookkeeping. You don't want to go to jail for violating the IRS, uh, things like that. Uh, the name of that service, I believe, is simplifychurch.com. 
Yeah, church planner, if you want to go to jail, go to jail like Paul did. Go to jail like a boss for preaching the gospel. But don't go to jail because you screwed up on your taxes. I'm just saying, the IRS, they hold a grudge. What's that called again, Pete? SimplifyChurch.com. And ironically, this is tax day for me, but I'm not going to say what I was going to say. I got to <laughs> I got to do my uh I got to do my corporate taxes. They're due on the yeah. 15th of March. So Yeah, that sucks. It does. It does. Well, hey guys, thanks for joining us today for the Church Planner podcast. Thanks for enduring the Church Planner podcast today. And uh, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.